Congregationalists turn to the Heidelberg Catechism, Lord's Day 8, two questions, two answers. You can find it on page 36. How are these articles divided into three parts? The first is of God the Father and our creation. The second of God the Son and our redemption. The third of God the Holy Ghost and our sanctification. Question 25. Since there is but one only divine essence, why speakest thou of Father, Son, and Holy Ghost? And because God has so revealed himself in his word that these three distinct persons are the one only true and eternal God. So far, the theme for tonight, the beauty of the Trinity, the beauty of the Trinity, with the help of the Lord, three thoughts. First, proof of a triune God. We go over the Bible, we show you from the scriptures that it is biblical to speak about the triune God, even though the word Trinity does not occur in the Bible. Secondly, an almighty triune God. The Trinity is connected to the God being almighty, as we hope to show. And in the third place, the grace of a triune God. Because if God is not triune, there is no grace. The beauty of the Trinity, proof of a triune God, an almighty triune God, and grace of a triune God. Congregation Lord's Day 8 is about the Trinity. And I think it is the deepest, shortest, and most difficult Lord's Day section in the Catechism. Again, the deepest, the shortest, and the most difficult. So maybe someone says, well, do we really need to talk about it then? Is that not going over our head? What's the sense, what's the purpose of talking about the Trinity? How that nitty gritty details, why don't we just keep it simple? And on top of that, some say that the Trinity, the doctrine of the Trinity is boring. I understand your feeling. However, we need to talk about it. Because God has revealed himself as such. I asked an elderly lady if she likes sermons on the Trinity. Do you like those sermons, I asked. And she replied that she loved to hear anything 
about God? What an answer. She said, I lie to anything about God. If it is about him, please. See, I hope that that might be also tonight here. You say, is he triune? Tell me. Give me the details. Give me, show me the beauty of it. I like to hear it. So it is about God tonight, right? And about how he reveals himself. And the Trinity is the central, if not the most central doctrine. We need to keep it in mind. We're not going to fantasize about the Trinity. We're only going to listen to the Bible. Only what God has said himself about him. Yes, it's deep, but also very important. It refers to God's essence. goes back to eternity. It is important for the future of the church. The Trinity is the backbone, the spine, the heart of Christian theology. It is so central that we can say that without the Trinity, we cannot be saved. And Islam has Allah, right? They say Allah is the only God, so it's also monotheistic. There's only one God. In Islam, they even believe in Jesus. But they don't believe in the Godhead, the divinity of Jesus. And they don't believe in the Trinity. So it's very essential. We could have left here just telling you that there is one essence of God and three persons. Three persons and one essence. Not one essence and three essences. Not one person and three persons. That would be illogical. That's not the Bible. The Bible does not say one plus one plus one is one. The Bible says that there, are, there is only one essence and three persons. The Gnostics deny creation, so they had a problem with the Trinity. The Docetes thought that Christ was only seemingly human, so they had a problem with the Trinity. Some say that the Trinity is only a matter of names. This one God has three different names. No. Some state that is. There are three sides of God as three sides to a triangle. No. One essence, one God. And yet the three persons are all three also God. Persons in God. So again, I will not go into the details tonight, but like to show something of the beauty first. Psalm 33. By the word of the Lord were the heavens made. You see, it has nothing to do with the Trinity. Yes. By the word, 
So how did God create? By doing what? By speaking. By saying something. Let there be light. He spoke the word. It was there. And that word, according to John 1 verse 1, is the Lord Jesus. So by the word of the Lord, the heavens made, by the Christ of the Lord, by the Savior, the heavens made, and all the host of them, by the breath, the breath, the air, the spirit of his mouth. One of the most important texts from the Psalms, again by the word of the Lord that the heavens made, and all the host of, his, of them by the breath of his mouth. Also think of the time, children, that the Lord Jesus was baptized. See it happening? You see the Lord Jesus standing there? You see a dove coming down in the form of a dove. The Holy Spirit sits on him. And I hear the voice of the Father. And the Holy Ghost descended in a bodily shape like a dove upon him. And the voice came from heaven which said, Thou art my beloved Son, in thee I am well pleased. See? The dove, the voice of the Father, the Lord Jesus standing there, triune God. This morning we had baptism, and you heard the well-known verses. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost. And then people come over to our church from other church background. And if they are baptized in the name of the triune God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost, we accept that baptism. It was administered by an author there. We accept it. If someone will be baptized in the Mormon church, then the person will not be baptized in the triune, in the triune God, in the name of the triune God. So we would not accept it. And someone from the Mormon church had to be baptized again. The clearest text in the Bible about the Trinity is 1 John 5 verse 7. You can't get around that. You cannot get around it. For there are three that bear record in heaven. The Father, the Word, and the Holy Ghost. And these three are one. Simple. It says so. These three are one. So we don't want to prove the Trinity from nature. It is impossible. You know about the shell of an egg and the white of an egg and the yellow of the yolk of an egg. Those, those examples don't make sense. If you already believe in the Trinity, maybe it is helpful to show you something that something can be also united. But it's different. More important is Genesis 1, 26. 
Let us make men. Let us make men. Not, I like to make men. No, the Lord says, let us make men. Let, let us do it. Let us make people. Us? Who, who is that? God is talking to, to whom? Let us make man. In our image, after our likeness, angels, some say angels, maybe an archangel. So God speaks to an archangel, Michael, let us make man. But are angels creators? Can angels help the Lord creating the universe? I don't see that. I don't see it in the Bible. Angels are creatures themselves. So does that mean let us make man? Some say, well, in certain languages, you have a majestic plural. Majestic plural means that when the king addresses an audience, he would say, we, the king. He won't won't say, I, the king. He would say, we, the king. That is something elevated, something different, a different pronoun for God, for, 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 for a king. So the, I have heard that. I have heard the, the Queen of Holland say we. So is that maybe also here the case? Let us make man so that is the majesty and the kingship of the Lord. Well, that typical plural does not exist in Hebrew. It's impossible. So God is talking just about himself. Let us make man. And it might not be so clear yet as it is in the New Testament, but yet at least it is already a hint of it. And I would say substance of it. One being, three persons. Not three beings and one being. Not three persons and one person. Not three beings and I person. No. God is one in essence and again three persons. Deuteronomy 6. That's a central text for the Jews. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. That is a beloved text in the Jewish communities. It's important in the Bible, Deuteronomy 6 4. Israel, keep in mind the Lord our God is one God. But how do we then explain a text like John 14? Speaking about the Father being greater than the Son. What do you think? Let me read it. John 14. Ye have heard how I said unto you, I go away and come again unto you. If ye love me, ye would rejoice, because I said, I go unto my Father, for my Father is greater than I. My Father greater than I. Some say, see, 
Christ is not God. Because the Father is greater. If he would be God himself, he would not say that. He would not say, my Father is greater than I. You know? It's not possible. That's a difference between what someone is and how someone is. King Charles is what? He is a human, isn't he? And how is he? He has been chosen as a monarch over the over Great Britain. So what someone is in nature and someone's position can be different. Are you more than Prince Charles? Than, than, than King Charles? Are you more? In a way not. Because you are exactly the same type of human. He is as a human not more than you are. But his position is different. And so we have to be careful. God the Father and God the Son and God the Holy Ghost are of that same essence. There is in that essence no greater and smaller. But in their position is different. Position is different. The Father has not humbled himself. The Father has not obeyed the Son. But the Son has obeyed the Father, right? See? So there's a triune God, and the triune God has different persons, and the attributes of being God are all the same, but the personal attributes are different. The Trinity also means that God is never alone. God never feels alone. He was never alone. He was triune from eternity. Before the world was. There were no people, there's no life, there were no stars. But God existed from eternity. And there's always the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. Always. Has never been any different from eternity. So God loved someone. He loved in himself the three persons loved one another. <coughs> and, <there coughs> and there are several Bible texts speaking about that. The Father loves the Son, and the Son loves the Father. That the triune God loves in himself the, the three persons. God is from eternity a triune God. In his human nature, born in Bethlehem, right? In his human nature, Christ is the Son of Mary. 
but in his divine nature, he is the Son of God and born from God, the only begotten Son of God. We read in Proverbs 8, we have quoted that this morning as well. The Lord possessed me in the beginning of his way, before his works of old. I was set up from everlasting, from the beginning, whatever the world, the earth was, before the mountains were settled, before the hills was I brought forth. So God is eternally triune. So now, in our hybrid catechism, we read it very simple. It speaks about the Father and our creation, the Son and our redemption, and the Holy Ghost and our sanctification. So only one thing per person, the Father, creation, the Son, redemption, the Holy Ghost, sanctification, is that so separate? Is the Father only doing the creation? Is the Holy Spirit only doing sanctification? Is Christ only doing the redemption? Can we just separate those things? No. The Holy Spirit is also involved in creation. God the Father is also involved in sanctification. But it is the main focus in the Bible. The main focus of the Father is creation, although he's also involved in all other things. Because the unity in the triune God is immense. As husband and wife, you're one. You're one couple. You make things work together. You are a unity. Nevertheless, you can do things independently. You can even do things the other one has no idea about. So in, in, in marriage, there's always that difference in being individuals. That's not in God. God is triune. It's a unity. There's a working together. There's a harmony in all things. What might help is the words from, by, in, and to. All things are from the Father. From the Father. By the Son. So the Father is doing things by his Son. In the Holy Ghost. And unto the triune God. So, from the Father, by the Son, in the Holy Ghost, unto God's glory. In the Bible, the Trinity, proven. We go to the second thought. An almighty triune God. 
Have you heard of the name El Shaddai? El Shaddai. Have you heard of Elohim and Beth El? Have you heard of the, of, the, of the name El Shaddai? Maybe not. Because in our Bible, El Shaddai has been translated as the Almighty God. But El Shaddai means something more than just being able to do anything. El Shaddai means that God is self-sufficient. He can do anything because he provides for himself. He is sovereign. The word El Shaddai, the name El Shaddai is 48 times in the Bible. 30 of those, more than 30, in Job. Job speaks a lot about El Shaddai, the Almighty God, the sovereign, the free God, the self-sufficient Jehovah. (coughs) And we have to admit that God is Almighty in that specific sense of being a tri you and God. You see so much harmony, so much connection. And there are Bible verses we probably don't remember, but they're important. From John 14, for example. And I will pray the Father, the Lord Jesus, praying to the Father. Sin is the difference between the Father and the Son. And I will pray the Father, and he shall give you another comforter. So the Lord Jesus prays the Father to give the comforter, that he may abide with you, that he may abide with you forever. Even the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it seeth him not, neither knoweth him, but ye know him, for he dwelleth with you and shall be in you. See how connected the three persons are in the Holy Trinity. John 3, verse 35. The Father loveth the Son and has given all things into his hand. So the Father connecting to the Son and this providing. He gives all things in his hands. And John 5, the Son can do nothing of himself. But what he see the Father do, for what things ever he doeth, these also doeth the Son likewise. For the Father loveth the Son and showeth him all things that he himself doeth, and he will show him greater works than these, that ye may marvel. See, the harmony in the triune God, he is self-sufficient, he provides for himself. First the Father raises up the dead, 
and quicken it down, even so the Son quicken it whom he will. For the Father judges no man, but has committed all judgment unto the Son. That all men should honor the Son, even as the, they honor the Father. He that honors not the Son, honors not the Father, which has sent me. So the El Shaddai is the triune God providing for himself, working together uh, in harmony. <coughs> Think also of the sermon of Paul on Areopagus, as he heard tonight, and quote also this morning. That's an important chapter for many different reasons. I would say, read that sermon. Read the sermon of Paul in the latter part of Acts 17, and just look what the sermon is like. One of the few sermons in the Bible we learn from how we must preach. And he writes there something important. It's all important. God that made the world and all things therein, seeing that he is Lord of heaven and earth, dwelleth not in temples made with hands, neither is worshipped with man's hands, as though he needed anything. Seeing he giveth all life and breath and all things. So he's worshipped with man's hands? No. Is not worshipped with man's hands as though he needed anything. God has no need for people. He's never alone. He never says, I, I, I need to create people because I, otherwise I feel so empty or not honored. God does not need anyone. He can easily do without. He can easily do without the world. Where is life? It was God's choice to make this world and this universe. It's his choice. There was no need to do it. Only a choice brings to the third thought the grace of a triune God. Congregation, let me go back a little bit and add something to the second thought. Self-sufficient God. What is self-sufficient? I found a beautiful definition of that. It means he possesses within himself every quality, ability, and supernatural command with never-ending measure. Every attribute or mighty and wonderful power is his Endlessly, God wants nothing and lacks for nothing. He is complete. See? Let me repeat that. He possesses within himself every quality, every ability, every supernatural command with never-ending measure. It's a constant supply. Every attribute of our mighty and wonderful power is his 
endlessly. God wants nothing, lacks nothing. He is complete. In the triune God, right? There's no need of people. that constant supply as a self-sufficient and all-sufficient God. <coughs> Having said that, he is not only all-sufficient and great and powerful and almighty in that sense, don't say that this God is far away. It's, it's, it's remarkable that Paul on Areopagus or Mars Hill doesn't only speak about God not needing people. He also speaks about God being close to people. I read in Acts 17, and has made of one blood all nations of men for to dwell on all the face of the earth, has determined the times before appointed and the bounds of their habitation that they should seek the Lord. If happily they may feel after him and find him, though he be not far from every one of us. For in him we live and move and have our being, as certain also your own poets have said, for we are also his offspring. So the triune God is self-sufficient, does not need anyone, and comes close to people. He's not far. In him we live and move. When you go home, think about that. In him we live and move. Your mighty God is surrounding us, self-sufficient. He, he does not need anything from you either. I will take no bullock out of thy house, nor he goats out of thy folds, for every beast of the forest is mine, and the cattle upon the thousand hills. Could you please, King Charles, with a dime, do you think that people could do something for God to help him or to assist him or to pay him? It's absolutely nothing. God is so self-sufficient. He has no need of people. So everything is grace. Grace after grace. One of the biblical words here is the word fullness. Fullness. Want to hear it? Maybe some people this evening are, are hungry and they're empty and they're looking for the fullness in God. And there is fullness. Because there is that self-sufficient God loving himself doing things for his glory. 
and he can save anyone for that reason. And of his fullness have all we received grace for grace. His fullness. So it is not only full for God, he is also, there's also fullness to give away. Not to receive. God does not need to receive anything. You can't give anything to him. He already has all things. Anything you would like to give is already his. And I'm sure, Romans 15, I'm sure that when I come unto you, I shall come in the fullness of the blessing of the gospel of Christ. And Ephesians 3, and to know the love of Christ which passes knowledge that he might be filled with all the fullness of God. There's so much fullness in God as the triune God. He can give away. He can be so generous. It is a fullness in him that is based upon the Trinity. For in him dwelleth all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. And John 1, 16, and of his fullness have we all received grace for grace. I mentioned that already. So, all sufficient. Do you would like to have another definition of that? He has enough resources in himself for everything. He is and does. See? So, to put it simply, God does not need anyone or anything else. He is complete. He's not dependent on his creation. He is completely independent. And because of his independency, he can be gracious. There's a fullness in him. So the Lord has no need of anything. I will not I will take no bullock out of thy house, nor he goats out of thy folds. Every beast of the forest is mine, and the cattle upon a thousand hills. And then at this, I know all the falls of the mountains, and the wild beasts of the field are mine. So again, they're mine. I have everything already. So when we come to the Lord in prayer, don't take any money along. Please. It is his already. Don't think you can give him something that he is in need of. He does not need anything. It is in fact so offensive if the Lord gets the impression that you're bribing him. He has no need for that. God can give, can forgive for free, for absolutely nothing, because he is the self-sufficient God. And the same token, he is also working as the uh, uh, one-sided work. The Trinity is the heart, the spine of the Bible. Who does not believe in the Trinity, does not believe in the Lord Jesus being God, 
God's Son and believing is then quite different. But because of the Trinity, God is free and the El Shaddai, and he begins what he wants, and he saves people for his own name's sake and glory. Daniel 4. And all the inhabitants of the earth are reputed as nothing. And he doeth according to his will in the army of heaven and among the inhabitants of the earth. And none can stay his hand and say, what doest thou? You can't say to God, what doest thou? He's God. He's the wisest, the all-sufficient God. He does not need anything from you. So we have to leave it in his hands. But again, maybe someone is depressed here. Some feels down. God is so far away. He's so lofty, so righteous, so holy. Yes, he is. But he's also so generous. He has given his only begotten son so that out of his fullness you can be saved. So when you go home, may the Lord give it adoration in your heart. Say, Lord, I've heard about God. I've heard about thee. May I adore thee. May I praise thee. May I need thee. And I hope more. I hope you may believe in him. Take refuge unto him. And plead upon the promises. And plead upon his self-sufficiency. 2 Corinthians 13. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the communion of the Holy Ghost be with you all. Amen.